Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Hi there, Mike Kapler with Joel Brzezinski, the Growing in Grace podcast at growingingrace.org. If you're referring us to some people out there in church land, <laughs> remember it's .org, not .com. Uh, just a little side note there. How you doing this week, Joel? Hey, doing fine. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been cool over the last I don't know, almost 20 years or so. Not quite 20 years that I've been on the uh, that I've had websites. I remember I started graceroots.org. .org. I think it was the end of 2003. I guess it was so 18 years ago or so, 17 or 18 years ago, and I started that. Not to digress here too much, but I started that with the intention of writing some articles and just posting it on there and and seeing what happened. There, there was no Facebook, there was no generally social media. I was just hoping people would find it, and then eventually, obviously, we started doing. Uh, not too long after that, we started doing the podcast, and I would post the podcast there. Then we came up with uh, the GrowingInGrace dot org website, and that's been. Um, solid ever since then where you can find the podcast every single podcast we've done it's all archived on there growingingrace.org and we love the stuff we're talking about here we've been talking you know we did a, a series about James and Paul and some of the differences that we see that they had and the things that they've written and we've been spending some time the last several weeks talking about Paul and his solid grace talk and the things that where he just made it so perfectly clear that salvation and justification, our works play no part in it. People will bring up different things, but that you can always go back to Paul and look at him in context. And you can see that if we're going to stand in front of God and be justified, be saved, be righteous, whatever, there's nothing in our works that we can point to. Look, God, look what I did. Uh, there's nothing that we can point to where God's going to say, okay, I accept that work, because it's all the work of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, God's oath that he made to himself, and there's nothing that we can add to what God did on our behalf. So we've been talking about that, and I think it's lots of fun. <laughs> well, it's it's reassuring, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, in First Timothy chapter 1, Paul was obviously writing to Timothy, and he starts out the, the book, the letter, with this. Don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, another word for idle talk might be meaningless conversation, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, now get this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for 
for uh, murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, fornicators, and it goes on. And, and what people will often think of there is action words, uh, people who do things that are sinful. And sometimes we can certainly include that, but really a, a lot of times what's being communicated here when it comes to identity is the saints, the righteous, the holy ones. It isn't necessarily because they're living so well. It's because they've inherited this new nature, this new identity that came through belief in Jesus Christ. It's an inheritance that we receive as children, as we've talked about before. But the point here Paul is is making is don't allow this to take place. You've got these people out there who want to be teachers of the law. They may even be talking about Jesus in the middle of it, but they're talking about being teachers of the law, and they really don't understand what it is they're saying. Paul said something similar back in Galatians where he said, those of you who think we are trying to keep this thing, trying to keep this law, do you even know what the law says? Do you not hear the law? <laughs> you can't <laughs> do it. And I know there are people out there today uh, on the legalistic side of the Christian fence, and I know they mean well, but you'll hear the, the a talking point that is sometimes thrown out there. I've heard it for years. I've heard it a hundred times, if not a thousand. And they'll say something like, well, we couldn't keep the law before we came to Jesus. We couldn't keep those commandments before we came to Jesus. But now that Jesus lives in us, he is empowering us to fulfill the law or to live the law successfully. And that is just a self-righteous approach that minimizes the cross uh, and, and really minimizes the law, don't you think, Joel? Yeah, it really does. And that's I, I think that people really don't know what the law says, like kind of what you were talking about there. It's, it's easy for a person to say what you just said, that, well, before Christ, uh, we couldn't keep the law, but then Christ came to live in us and now he enabled us to keep the law. It's easy to say that because I, I think people have a very shallow view of the law. And what I mean by that is uh, they'll think, okay, so the law, for example, says do not commit adultery, do not steal, uh, do not murder. Well, they don't do any of those things, except they don't look deeply. You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and in his ministry on the earth he kind of put a magnifying glass on the law, and he says, not just the act of murder, but if you hate your brother, that's murder. And it's not just the physical act of adultery. It's when you look at somebody with lust. It's like people think that keeping the law now is somehow supposed to be this easy thing because they don't look at the full law. and They don't look at it with the respect that the law really should have. They think they're respecting the law, but they're really looking at a shallow version of the law. And so what you're reading here about what Paul wrote to Timothy is that people, you see it today, they desire to be teachers of the law. And we're talking about believers who are supposed to be dead to the law and have no relationship to the law. They understand neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. That's just so true today as it was in, in Paul's day. And then the purpose of the law, you know, Paul gets into that. It was really, it's for unrighteous people. And he says in Galatians, it was a tutor. It was a schoolmaster that would lead people to faith. It, it showed them that they couldn't live up to a righteous standard. And then it said, okay, so you need something greater. You need something else that's going to lead you to righteousness 
And it's not going to be the law. It's going to be faith. So when faith has come, you're no longer under the tutor. You're no longer under the schoolmaster, the law. That was for the people who were under the law. It was the thing that led them to say, oh, wow, <laughs> I can't do this thing. I can't live up to God's righteous standard. And so God gave us his righteousness as a gift by faith. That's really the point. The point of the law was was what I just said. It was to, to point people away from self-righteousness to faith. And what have people in the church done today? <laughs> well, they've come to faith, but then they turn right back around to self-righteousness by thinking that we can keep the law somehow. Well, and the thing that kind of cracks me up these days anyway, now that I, I know what I know, is when people make these kinds of comments, these kinds of statements that we're supposed to establish the law for righteousness, for uh, a higher level of morality or more holiness or more sanctification or whatever, more acceptance from God, then my question is, which law are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Because remember the law that the Bible refers to even throughout New Testament writings, it it was a, a long list of stuff that most of us, as Paul just said to Timothy, most of us aren't familiar with. Which laws are you going to point people to? Which ones are you going to try to keep? Which ones are you going to try to apply and suggest that others do? And which ones are you going to leave off the list? And the fact is that most people will leave almost all of it off the list, except mm-hmm. for just a, a few selections here and there, either from you know the certain ones from the Ten Commandments or a few other ones uh, that they might just choose to select and, and ignore the rest of it. And Jesus said that that would not be acceptable. Jesus said, if you're going to try to live by that standard, then you had to keep all of it. Every jot, every tittle, you couldn't just eliminate certain parts of it. And God said that throughout the Old Testament too. Nothing shall be added to the law. Nothing shall be taken away from it. It was all one package deal. So it wasn't God's laws, plural, that people were trying to keep. It was a package of laws referred to as the law. And so it's just a real hypocritical thing for people to suggest the law somehow still has a place for certain things in the life of a Christian. Yeah, it is. It's just uh, amazing. Again, and we've been in those shoes ourselves, so we can't put anyone down. But because like you said, you know, knowing what we know now, it's sometimes difficult to deal with, with people who don't see things this way. But yet, we got to realize, I, you know, I have to think about this all the time. You know, Paul, I'm just reading on, and Timothy here says, for this reason, I obtained mercy. And so, you know, God has taught us these things. He showed us these things. But what I, I, what I like here about what Paul, something else that Paul says here in, in, uh, in 1 Timothy, this is a faithful saying, 1 Timothy 1.15, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Okay, so I'm just going to leave it there for a second. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, and in, in, in the church these days, so many times it's like, no, we got to stay away from those sinners. But Christ came to save sinners. That's that's why he came. You know, people who were doing all of these things, the ungodly things, all the things that you just, you read a little while ago, the ungodly and the sinners, you know, the unholy, the profane murderers, and all these things, God came, you know, Jesus Christ came into the world to save them. And then Paul says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, some people, and, and just to 
talk about this real quickly here. Some people say, see, we're, we're sinners. Paul was calling himself the chief of sinners. And so, you know, we're both sinners and we're saints. We've got two natures. One is the the saint. God has saved us and made us a, a saint. But we're also sinners because Paul even called himself the chief of sinners. Well, Paul was referring to, if you, if you look back at what he had just said, he said, I, I, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. He was, you know, going around persecuting the church. And that's, you know, God showed him mercy. But what he's saying as the chief of sinners, being the chief of sinners, is not that currently in his life he was the biggest sinner of them all. Like, that's what his lifestyle was, and so he called himself a saint and a sinner, but he's saying that overall, because of all those things, he's the champion of sinners. He's the one, that's the one you can point to if, if you want to look at the, the biggest sinner that there's ever been, and God saved me. That's what he's saying here. I was the biggest sinner of them all, in, in his own mind, he, he, that's how he viewed himself. And God saved me. It's not like he's saying, you know, so I'm I'm just a I'm just a one worthy worm. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, he knew he was a saint. He knew that that was no longer who he was. But he, he knew that also that God had saved him uh, as in his own mind, again, the, the biggest sinner that there ever was. So don't think of yourself as a, an unworthy sinner, but think of yourself as someone that God has made into a saint because he has saved you. He saved us. And we've got more to talk about about this because Titus talks about how God saved us when we didn't even deserve it. So we'll talk more about that and some other things next week right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace. Growing in Grace.